0: You can find it on the Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Chicago Bears lose a tough one as they fall to the Colts in a 19-11 game that saw them carry three points of offense all the way into the fourth quarter. I bring on WCG's own EJ Snyder to help me walk through this harrowing game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on Windy City Gridiron, where we have some fabulous shows for you, not only this post-game show, but also a more film-review-centric Rule of Three, hosted by myself, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson. Uh, We have Bears Banter, hosted by Bill Zimmerman and whatever fabulous guest he gets every single week. And, of course, none other than Bears Over Beers, hosted by Jeff Burkins and my guest from today, EJ Snyder, who's here with me to talk through a, let's call it a harrowing Bears loss that left us with I could say a lot more questions than answers, but that just that's a whole lot of way of beating around the bush. I'll cut to the chase, EJ. After a 3-0 start against some bad teams, I had a lot more hope for uh, this team than 19-3 to in what seemed like a piteous offensive performance, where a quarterback shift seemed to affect um, virtually nothing. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I'd love to get into with you. But let's just start at the top level. What would you think of the game?
2: It was not a great game. Bears put up a late score, so it looks a little bit better at 19 to 11. But overall, not really the game you wanted to see out of the Bears, especially not, as you said, the game we were expecting out of the switch to Foles and quarterback. We were looking for some more efficiency and certainly some more fire out of the offense well through, uh, well, Uh, three and a half quarters you're sitting at three points worth of offense and that's not going to win you any games in the NFL so Mm -mm. it's tough to look at anything else besides the positive but um, we'll get into some of the points overall it was a rough game to watch and the Bears definitely hit their first heavy flat spot and that's going to cause a ton of speculation and controversy because of the switch to Nick Foles and the fact that they looked very much the same
1: and, you know, I will start with the most positive thing you could say. Now, I'm 25 years old, and that means by doing some quick calculations, this Bears season has turned me into roughly 27 and a half, because it's putting years on my life in a hurry. But I'll start with something that my dad's been saying since I started following the Bears 13, 14 years ago. You are neither as good nor as bad as your last game. And as the Bears look to take on the Buccaneers this Thursday, they better hope so, because Because this offense didn't look like it was going to win much at all. And again, there are some serious reasons for that. But it's funny because I see a whole lot of people on Twitter, Windy City Gridiron, Gridiron, our mothership, put out a poll saying, who do you blame for this loss? Do you blame Foles? Do you blame Nagy? Do you blame the special teams? Do you blame the offensive line? And it's funny because when I look at the offense, EJ, oh my gosh, nothing worked. This looked like a game where if I was going to prop somebody up it would be chris ballard because the the colts defense whipped the bears on a man-to-man level All game long. I'm so curious to hear what you think because I saw a Bears team that couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass block. They couldn't make a play out in open space. Their quarterback was not doing even what he does well and missing opportunities all over the field. Like, it wasn't just that this Colts off their defense played super good football. It was that they apparently disrupted this Bears offense enough that balls that were catchable but tough catches got dropped. The tipped interception went off Miller's hands. And if it was Trubisky, I'd have called. Called it a bad throw so it was a bad throw but it was also catchable now it ends up caught by the other team there were so many opportunities that this Bears offense had to put up more than three points which is a pretty pitiful number in 2020 in the NFL but there they were late fourth quarter three points on the board I don't know get get into your overall thoughts what happened on this Bears offense how did this come
2: to this yeah, nothing happened on this Bears offense today. You're right in the call that nothing worked well and that that's top down and the offensive line is always a place to start. The offensive line didn't look good today. They have looked good for three straight games, almost Absolutely. completely. They've had they've had some flat stretches, but in general, they've looked much more dominant than their 2019 selves. And today they got crushed, and some of that is man-to-man. There were a couple of plays. There's one play in particular where Montgomery got hit in the backfield, and White <laughs> Whitehair was behind him mm-hmm. when he got hit. He got blasted into the backfield. But this week on Bears over Bears, we were talking about keys to the game, and what I saw from the Colts' defense was the middle's really strong. Look, they paid DeForest Buckner a billion dollars in the offseason, to come in and do what he does. And he does it very well, but there are these alleys between the outside corner and the edge of the defensive line, pretty much right up the numbers where the nickel slot corner would typically play, where the Colts are a bit more vulnerable. And running it right into the middle of the teeth of the Colts' defense is a lousy idea. And Nagy did it all day and he didn't adjust. And so is that him or the offensive line? If you know you're not going to be able to push DeForest Buckner around, do you run it into the middle of the line all day? You probably shouldn't, and he did it over and over again. There was much less creativity on offense, almost no pre-snap motion, almost no motion at the snap, and I don't know if that was a foals call of, you know, let me just set it up square and take a look what's across from me, but in terms of trends in the NFL... Pre-snap motion and motion at the snap are both on the rise, and they both typically help the quarterback identify which defenders are in which roles and allow them to process that information pre-snap. Foles had none of that all day, and they ran what I would consider a very straight game plan, and they ran it straight into the teeth of the Colts' defense. So is that the offensive line's fault or the play caller's fault? I don't know, but the end result was yuck. Oh, it's incredibly
1: hard to argue with that. I mean, I've been really pro Nagy for a long time now, but you point out some, some things that I'm not about to sit here and just pretend didn't happen. I didn't see a lot of, of, of motion either. And frankly, to just go back to an old school point, in 2019, I know we kind of said the same thing, when nothing's working you can't just blame all the players. Like, you can't just say, oh, it's because we don't have a, ho- a billion All-Pros. And with somebody like Nagy, who's supposed to get more creative, you would like to see something. And there were some moments I'd point out, like certainly that first quarter throw to Demetrius Harris, where it seemed like he and Harris were on just separate pages, he being fools in this case, where chemistry did seem to be an issue, and you'd hope that that would rectify itself over time. You also hope that Foles is able to make that throw to Darnell Mooney that he made on the rollout late in the game. But I... I ask myself, like you're talking about, why in the world did we run the ball up the middle against a defense who that's their best place? Like, run it away from Justin Houston or Adam, who cares, as long as you're not going at DeForest Buckner. Yet there we were, whether it was the same outside-inside zone that we've been doing, and by that I actually don't just mean inside zone. I mean that the Bears have cut outside zone almost up the middle every single play that they've run it. This was... This was a game plan where you didn't look. You look at that and you say that offensive game plan probably beats this Colts team maybe fifteen times out of a hundred. Like if that. I mean, it was. It was nasty. It would have taken some serious lucky breaks on defense to, ma- to play better than this. And it's funny because on one hand, EJ, I want to talk about the fact that Khalil Mack drops an interception. Roquan Smith has his foot out of bounds on another one, that this could have been a tighter game, had a couple more things bounce the defense's way. But they held an NFL team in 2020 to 19 points. That's a winnable score. And against a a quarterback like Phillip Rivers with
2: an offense that's got some talent on it in the Colts, that should be enough. Am I crazy here? You're not at all crazy. And this is a very Chicago thing. We we get a little bit callous to it. Um, Objectively, when you look at other teams, the balance of blame uh, when they're not playing well tends to fall on units equally or the unit that really is screwing up we see unbalanced teams that have tremendous defenses and lousy offenses or tremendous offenses and defenses that you know can't hold water and typically the blame falls in the right place in Chicago the defense plays very very well like you said less than 20 points if you're going to hold a modern NFL team to under 20 points I probably say you should win about three times out of five but it's the Chicago Bears, so everybody says, well, you know, the defense could have, and yeah, the defense could have, for sure. You mentioned a couple plays they left on the field. There were others that they left on the field, but they held the middle Pass interference defensive backs that gave up those really excellent catches from the Colts that were
1: contested. You could pick and choose at about seven plays that probably take, and I'm not kidding here, 10 to 12 points off the board for the Colts and say, See?
2: could have been seven to 11 but that seems like nitpicking at its core it's foolishness because you can do that to the defense all day long but you better be doing it to the offense because this offense put up three points through well over three and a half quarters and that is not going to win you any nfl games that is going to win you zero out of five games If you hold the other team to under 20, I would say you win 3 out of 5. If you score 3, you win 0 out of 5 in this league. There is no Mm -hmm. way in the modern NFL era that you win with 3 points. So let's put the blame squarely where it goes and say the offense didn't hold its water today for a multitude of reasons, but they're on the hook for this, not the defense.
1: And to your point, I'll call it what it is, and this is probably the most pundity thing I've ever said in my career, but I'm going to say it anyways, EJ. so <laughs> bear with me. Oh, I know. I can't uh, wait. <laughs> so in 2018, right, Nagy's first season, we saw how good of a play caller he can be against the Seahawks. Mitch had not had a very good game to that point, and he strung together in the late fourth quarter and early, uh, or late third, or early fourth quarter, a fabulous running drive with creative motions and quick identifications and play call sequencing that would make any offensive student drool. He put a, or he put the ball into the end zone. If you may remember it as the one where Anthony Miller had that sweet out route uh, near the end of the game for about 14 yards that was as easy as they come for Trubisky. And they won, or the Bears won the game off the backs of that and a Prince of Mukamura interception at the very end that he ran all the way back. In this one, Honestly, if I picked apart the play calling, you almost feel like Nagy just gave up and said, well, this this team's not going to score against this defense, so uh, we might as well just run just about anything, because, uh, I mean, maybe we'll hope and pray for some yards. Like, sure, sit in the back and throw a deep one to Cordero Patterson, even though we know that it's cover two, and we know that there's a safety sitting back there, why not just see how it goes. We we can't hold a pocket. We can't run the ball up the middle, which is really the only two things that I'm looking to do here. So like, I I have been very pro Matt Nagy. I really have. And over time, I've seen a lot of reasons to be pro Matt Nagy. But this one, this was a bad game. Like, like you're saying, I don't yeah, know if this he... was Foles' idea. But this, uh, you you could go back and look at the offense. And it's like, if the Colts defense isn't even that good, we made them look that way today. They looked unstoppable based on what we were doing.
2: I think the Bears made the Colts defense look better than they are. That being said, the Colts defense is very good. Like Xavier Rhodes had a great week last week. He started off with another good week this week. That interior line uh, has been playing very well. Darius Leonard went out of this game, and I thought, oh, here's your chance to exploit those middle crossers. Here's your chance to exploit those lanes that I'm talking about pretty much right up the numbers. The one play I wanted to see so badly, and I I called for it on Bears over Bears, and they didn't run it once, and I really wish they had, is weak side counter with a little trap block off the left-hand side. So you basically stack up David Montgomery on the weak side of the offensive formation away from the tight end. You basically run blocking, say the tight ends on the right side, you basically shed right run blocking you start as if you're going to hand it to Montgomery and he cuts it back against the weak side and ends up going out that alley again not up the middle of the formation and I wanted to see that once because the Colts aren't particularly strong there and again Montgomery's shown that ability to break a tackle to make a tackler miss and then he's into the secondary and you're gonna pick up you know seven eight yards before contact if he can make that guy miss They didn't run it once every time they stacked up to run something like that. And the passing variant of that is running a stack of two to three wide receivers again in a sort of heavy slot alignment and having one of them angle slightly in up off the numbers. Not quite a slant, not quite a post, right in between. And there's a weak spot in the Colts defense right there. And apparently none of the Bears saw it on tape. And they ran very few plays that way. And once Leonard went out, I was like, crossers, 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 their other linebackers are not fast enough to keep up with crossers. And, and the bears have a myriad of good slot players and they didn't do it. They just didn't do it. And it was like, uh, come on guys. And then what, what kills me is, yeah, the Colts go into a bit of a prevent at the end, but suddenly the bears offense starts to function, Right. Big chunk yards come off the board. A-Rob gets his big catches. All of a sudden, we're right down, and he makes a great catch at the pylon, gets his knee in, touchdown. And I'm like, great, two minutes to go in the game, guys. Too too little, too late. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: it it stunk, too, because, like, my little brother texts me. He immediately goes, gosh, it's a huge bummer we couldn't get the ball back there because it really looked like our offense could have scored the second touchdown. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's the point of the prevent defense. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with being hopeful, but again, that's why this reminded me a lot of that uh, the game against New Orleans last year where the Bears just got shutterboxed on offense. They were destroyed. And then at the very end of the game, Mitch Trubisky and the Bears came out, and they scored two touchdowns, EJ. They got a... I mean, all we really did did was run at a time you know like if they if there was a fifth quarter it would have been a Bears runaway but well, that's not how it works it's a game designed around that's four quarters never how play. it works
2: and the thing I put on Twitter that kills me is I said if we'd run both Bears quarterbacks out in basically generic unis that had no numbers and just said quarterback on the back would you have noticed the difference today and the answer is No, we had the exact same thing. We had a slow start. We had a good drive in the second quarter where Foles strung it together and moved the Bears down the field where they got the field goal that they ended up with. They should have ended up with more, but that was the one drive. Trubisky usually strung that drive together as well. The one, oh, they're moving drive. Oh, he he had a 20 yard Mm -hmm. scramble to keep the drive alive. This is what it could be. Look at this. Right. They're stringing that together. Oh, momentum. They're going to do this again. And, and with Trubisky, the problem was it was usually only one until the fourth quarter. If the switch flipped. But before that, usually had one, maybe two of those drives. Well, today you had the same thing. Slow start. Good drive in the second quarter. Ended up with a field goal, but you were feeling like, OK, you know, maybe Phillip that's Rivers all they needed. Gonna, maybe that's it. Yeah. Like, Philip Rivers is going to start to fall off. The Bears are going to keep moving and this is going to be how it's going to go. And nope, and it's the same game Mm -hmm. they've been playing, and it's disappointing because they switched what we hoped would be the most important part of the offense, and they ended up with literally the exact same result.
1: If not less, just to call it like it is. I mean, the the trouble is, is that this is one of those games where, as a as somebody who tries to analyze like and predict how these things will go, you can walk away saying I was dead on right about our defense holding their offense pretty well. Like the the Colts came out with 19 points that could have been less for exactly the reasons we talked about. A lot of balls bounced in their direction. That's okay. I mean, it's still a very good defensive performance, and credit to them for getting the points that they got. The problem is, is that We were really hoping the bears would get like 21 points, which isn't that much to ask. It's a very good Colts defense, but the hope and I emphasize and underline that word hope hope because that's where a lot of times i know i i get this way that you stop being objective and you start saying maybe i haven't seen it so i can make it up in my head like there's a way that this could work and if the bears could just finagle three touchdowns one way or another and we hold them to 19 points bang that's a that's 19 21 win that right there that's that's exactly what we're looking for and uh and that's not what happened and instead you you go back to the drawing board. And it's funny because I bet I'm going to see a lot of the same things that I'm already remembering just on film again where it didn't matter. That Foles could make a second read because he didn't have time to make it. And the moments that he did like have an opportunity on his first read, a lot of times his mechanics were kind of all over the place. And who knows? Maybe some of that is rust. We'll never know because of the lack of an offseason on a brand new team. Maybe some of it was chemistry. But let me just paint him with the same brush I would take Trubisky. It wasn't good enough. And the opportunities that were there weren't cashed in on. The play calling didn't seem to bail anything out. It felt like we showed the worst side of an already bad offense. And it was, it was one of those things that you look at. Uh, the big old hoity-toity word that comes to my mind, EJ, is untenable. If you keep this up, you're not going to win a lot of football games. And you're going to look a lot more like the 3-13 USA Today projection than you are any any even like 7th seed wild or wildcard playoff team. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, they're going to have to change a lot from this game, but strangely not all that much from the first three games. And that's why early season in the NFL is always unpredictable. The first couple games are just people getting their feet underneath them. That's even true when there is a preseason. It was even more true this year with no preseason. The third game starts to kind of show what people really are. And by the fourth game, you start to settle in. So we thought that we saw a predictable-ish pattern out of the Bears. And that if we changed one element, Trubisky to Foles, and got a little bit more efficiency at quarterback, but kept everything else, it would have gone just fine. And we changed quarterbacks. Didn't get a ton of efficiency and everything else offensively fell off the table. Mm -hmm. No use of the tight ends. They tried. He missed Harris a couple of times. That looked like an ugly connection. He ended up hitting Jimmy Graham late. Don't give me that. That's just Foles (laughs) leaning on veterans, picking up yards. I got it. But when it counted again, no throws to the tight end. Mm -mm. Cole Komet looked severely overmatched in blocking or passing. Um, hasn't really shown anything yet. Doesn't mean he won't just means so far has not been a terribly hot start offensive line. Couldn't block. They were getting pushed around even on their, that sort of outside zone blocking pants. They didn't look like they were picking up their guys
1: to your point. That's like the one play call I'll defend. It's fourth and one and a half and the bears line up under center. They give it to the biggest guy on their team running outside zone to the right where Jermaine Afedi, your better blocker, Bobby Massey, com- compared to the two tackles, that's where you want to go if you're trying to run your best running play to ca- to grind out that last little bit of yardage. And they just got destroyed. The guys that have been carrying the water for this team, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Jermaine Afedi, that interior offensive line, they got their lunch money taken from them. And I mean, the hope is, walking away from this game, that you say, this is a terrible matchup that you say the like DeForest Buckner and the rest of that interior Colts team was going to destroy the Bears at what they're best at, that on the other side of the ball, Akeem Hicks and a Bears defensive line that's pretty good was going to have to play great ball against the Colts' strength, their offensive line, that once it was a battle lost in the trenches, that chances are it wasn't going to go well, and a an mobile Nick Foles was going to have to play with his hair on fire to overcome it, obviously he didn't uh, he played he played very compared to the hair on fire thing he was quite damp uh but it's a week to week league and it like to just try to spin the coin in a positive direction here EJ and please please tell me if i'm just being positive the bears still get a buccaneers team that played a tough tough game without chris godwin On a short week, and they have a 43-year-old quarterback, and the hope would be that maybe, just maybe, he can't shake off all that NFL wear and tear by Thursday night. And if this team that came out and played the Colts plays that Buccaneers team, this will be over in short order. But, and I know you know this, come December, it stops mattering what the wins and losses looked like. It starts in mattering how many of each you have. If the Bears walk out of Thursday four and one, it's still a good start, even with a terrible loss to the Colts, right?
2: If if Yes. If I think that's true. However, if you look at this Bucks team they are starting to hit their They're clicking. they had their struggles early but brady predictably is cleaning up the mental struggles he's cleaning up the things that we we're talking about with nick Foles in terms of rust or um unfamiliarity with a new receiving core he missed on those throws in week one in week two he started to hit him in week three in week four He's hitting them more often, and you can't expect that Tom Brady, 43 or not, is going to continue to miss, and he's not. He's starting to clean it up. He is a legendary competitor and perfectionist in terms of not missing on those opportunities. And really, the Bucks are trending in the opposite direction in terms of execution, so the Bears have got a very tough out coming on a short week, and they're going to have to change almost everything. If you mm-hmm. look at the Bucks game from this week and last week, you're going to say, nah, just keep doing more of the same. If you look at the Bears game from this week, you go, ah, uh, yeah, throw that whole film in the garbage and let's start yep. over. Let's do some things that we did in week one, in week two and week three, and see if we can get back to that creativity, mm-hmm. to that driving off the line, to our corners playing extremely well early. They played okay late. Um, Eddie Jackson missed a tackle in the secondary. That's been more of a Tayshawn Gibson thing, but, uh, everybody sort of contributed. Roquan came on late in the game, played really well. I do have some serious questions about our good friend, former Cowboy Robert Quinn, Mm -hmm. because he has been, uh, kind of on a milk carton largely, uh, throughout the first quarter of the season. And, uh, it's a lot of money to be on a milk carton. Barkevious Mingo is outplaying him right now. And that's something you couldn't have paid me to think I was going to say in the off season, but it's true right now. And it's not that Mingo's playing tremendously well. He's playing solidly and making contributions. And Quinn has been a ghost for most of his tenure. So all of those guys are going to have to turn it around. Uh, The execution's going to have to be much better. The offensive line cannot have a performance like that. If they do, they'll be out of this thing in a quarter and a half. Brady will put his foot on their throat and that will be the end of it. Mm hmm. Well,
1: EJ, that's great points all around. All I keep thinking about is that we are a little bit late on me doing this. So let's step aside for a hot second and we'll give our sponsors a chance to get their word in. All right, we are back talking about the Chicago Bears' recent loss to the Colts, which sends them to a sad 3-1, and one, and we'll try to mop our tears up with the other three wins that we do get to keep on our record. And EJ, I just wanted to walk through, schematically speaking, okay, so we, we look back at what happened in Atlanta, and Nick Foles and the Bears went bombs away, chucked the rock deep the whole game long and threatened to score 35 points in a single half if Allen Robinson comes down at that deep ball and Anthony Miller calls in his touchdown pass of course some of those 50 50 plays but they scored 20 points and a half and looked good doing that compare that to now three points in a game If you had to guess, what do you think happened? What do you think they took away from the Atlanta game that coming into this game with the Colts, they thought that they were going to get production out of? Of course, we haven't listened to Nagy's press conference. We don't know what his answers are to any of these
2: questions. But just off the cuff, what in the world changed? Well, offensive line play on both running and passing down. So we've talked about them sort of losing their lunch money. Their run blocking didn't look good from a physical one-on-one standpoint, and it wasn't great from a schematic standpoint. Now, again, haven't seen the all-22, and that's really where you're going to pick out what the line did well or did not do well. Charles Leno had a pretty rough day. Not tremendously rough, but look, offensive linemen's days are going to be defined by a few plays that they don't make, and he had those today.
1: Certainly, he got posterized by Justin Houston there in the middle of the game on that sack.
2: And it is Justin Houston, and that's okay, but he had a play not three or four plays later where he was equally right back in Nick Foles' face. And so I would just say line play is where this game started to go wrong. The big holes that we saw available for Cordero Patterson, David Montgomery were not there. And uh, you can't have that. This team has been making its money off those blocks, whether it's running or passing, and they didn't get it. For a second point, Anthony Miller's kind of like a thermometer for this Mm -hmm. team. If he's in it early and makes a couple plays and gets involved, it's going to be a good day, and he might just win you the game. He's done it twice out of three games, but the game in between, he was cold and he looked terrible and it's literally him going every other week at this point Mm point. He wins the game opening week, week two kind of falls off the cliff, but they still win the game. So everybody goes, ah, you know, all right, it's fine. Comes in late is the hero in Atlanta catching the ball on the L from Nick Foles for the win this week. Horrible. looked really bad, let two balls go through his hands, that I'm not going to say those would have won the Bears the game. They wouldn't have, but would they have kept some drives alive? Probably. And it's literally like this with Miller where it's a coin flip and it's not like, oh, he played okay. He either plays tremendously and wins you the game or he plays like, A fifth round scrub that you just want to cut immediately funny you mentioned fifth round
1: by the way at wide receiver i
2: know i know it's got to be on my mind for some strange reason but no he played he was a ghost today and and worse than that he was taking up a spot and didn't catch a couple balls that literally hit him in the hands Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry that the name of the position is wide receiver catch the damn ball that's your first job Mm -hmm. so he is incredibly frustrating and i say that as a guy who loved anthony miller in college had him even with dj Moore neck and neck in that draft was extremely pleased when the bears reached traded up and got him and right now i got a question on twitter in the third quarter if you could move him for the right price would you and my answer is absolutely yes and somebody Mm -hmm. else asked would you go, you know, what would what do you think a fair trade for DJ Moore would be between DJ Moore and Anthony Miller? And I'm like, I don't want to give up that much draft capital to get DJ Moore because DJ Moore has been a solid but not necessarily spectacular player for Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Miller has been the opposite. He has been the complete sort of bipolar superstar one week and where is he the next week? So the consistency would be nice to have, but Miller is a guy – whose time on this team, and this just doesn't seem possible with how good he is, seems kind of tenuous. He's got to find some consistency. He's well into his tenure now, and that's always been the knock, Mm -hmm. is that mentally he's not in the right place week to week. And as a professional, that's a very important skill to have, and he hasn't mastered it yet. So those are two things that I saw. No tight end game, Anthony Miller kind of having his – completely off game and the offensive line just not being able to in either phase oh yeah i mean it was it was a devastator (laughs) as far as like chicago
1: bears confidence goes because it really did seem like juan castillo had truly worked a miracle and made the and had this offensive line playing at a top 10 level and in this game uh they didn't look like it let's just put it that way One one phrase that I keep using, an image, if you will, for Nick Foles, is that he's a bit of an offensive mirror. If you put him on a really good team with a lot of really good talent, he can perform. The Philadelphia games are no joke. Back from 2017 and 2018, he played really well when he, A, had time, B, had guys making contested catches all over the field, and C, just, I mean, almost anything he could ask for on offense, he had. Shocker, he goes out there and he outplays Tom Brady in the biggest game of the year. So then you look at all these other stops, right? Jacksonville, not very good talent, doesn't play very well, st louis not great talent gets benched for case keenum and here today chicago bad <laughs> they had people asking i saw a couple of it on twitter and you knew it was coming right uh asking for mitch to get put back in the game to see if he could provide some kind of a spark it's if if this if he is a mirror and like we talked about because i've said this a couple times he had plays that he left on the field the reflection sure wasn't very good And that's something that I would love to see improve, whether it's Matt Nagy working some magic, breathing life into an offense that could desperately use it, or Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham and the rest of what the offense does have in terms of weaponry, making plays that match Darnell Mooney's uh, very acrobatic grab there in the second quarter that really seemed to spark a lot of offensive uh, push down the field. Nick Foles is a guy who's going to ask a lot of his playmakers, and they've got to come up with contested catches, tough balls. And you actually mentioned it really well with Anthony Miller. It's why I thought about it. Those super tough catches where, yeah, the ball's probably too far out in front, or yeah, the ball's probably behind you and could have easily been in stride, but it did hit you in the hands, and you'd like to see him catch it anyways at the NFL level. It's. It's definitely the one that, or the kind of game that leaves you in a tailspin as far as what the Bears do from here. But at the same time, it I'd like to spin, to flip the coin over. There's nowhere to go
2: but up. <laughs> do you think at least it gets better against Tampa Bay? I hope so. And again, if I'm writing a script against Tampa Bay, I've got to go back and watch the Tampa Bay game from today. But I've watched their other games this year. Um, I want to see again, kind of how that curve is going. If they continued to ascend and started to hit on a few of the things that maybe they missed in week one and week two, definitely saw that in week three, but again, going back and watching last week's Colts game, if I'm offensive game planning for a team, I'm going to look at the things that they didn't do well. The holes they do have, where can I exploit? It's a matchup league. And I'm not sure where that falls in the Tampa Bay defense because we really are talking for the most part about the Bears offense here. The defense is playing pretty well. As we said, Tampa Bay versus Tom Brady is always going to be a tough challenge for them, but I'm much less worried about them. And they rallied mostly at the end of the game. We saw some good plays from the corners. We saw way more stiffness in the middle of the line than I thought we were going to. That was one of my major keys was... They have to stuff the middle run, right? If they don't do that, Indianapolis is going to run them off the board with that. And Bilal Nichols played an inspired game in the middle, much better than he has up to this point. Absolutely. And they didn't give up a lot of middle runs. And in- so that was a positive, a rare positive. So I worry less about the defense and more about the Bears offense. And are they going to be able to create against what is a very good Tampa Bay defense, especially mm-hmm. at the linebacker and secondary level? And they do have Shaq Barrett, so like it's uh, it's not a great week to, to be trying to get your uh, feet back under you on an offensive setting, you know, in an offensive sense, because you're gonna go play a really good defense, uh, not a great defense, but a very good defense, and you aren't gonna get a lot of favors most likely uh, from your offense, which has been struggling. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny you
1: mentioned that we're almost entirely talking about the offense. EJ, as a Bears fan for the last 13 years and somebody who's gotten into talking about the Bears on podcasts, videos, you get the idea. I do laugh at how much time I've spent studying offense and offense alone because in Chicago, it's the only thing that matters. You generally know what you're getting from the defense. You're right. Chicago lived up to its... Absolute namesake today. Let's be honest. They did the unbelievable. They shored up their run defense against a very good running team out of nowhere with no personnel changes. Normally... A guy like Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris, there's just nothing you can do about them eating double teams against even decent offensive lines because Bilal's like 300 pounds, which, believe it or not, is light for a defensive lineman. Again, there's no solution. You just need that second nose tackle or you're going to get doubled and blown off the ball today. I think they gained less than three yards per tote up the middle, or in general in the running game. That's outstanding for a defense that has been getting gashed like they have in the run, and sure, they let up some passes that you would like to see them fix, but that's how they came up with a 19-point scoreline by the end. I really don't believe that the Colts just took took their... Uh, what is the word, took their foot off the gas pedal. I think the defense just played good ball, and that's something certainly you could build on. If we were going to talk optimistically, we could keep talking about the defense, but when you score three points in the majority of an NFL football game, it's just not the topic of conversation, which is a real bummer, because it means that guys like Khalil Mack, who is very quietly having a fabulous season, and I say quietly because every one of his sacks seems to get taken back by a penalty, or he's double blocked by two tight ends that are treating it like a WWE wrestling match or whatever else it is for Khalil he he's playing very good football so is Akeem Hicks he's back to his old ways and while Robert Quinn may be on a milk carton at least it seemed like the Bears were able to generate some pressure today that was nice to see
2: yeah I fully agree but you know looking at this Bucks defense they've got talent at every level and they've got Devin White who was their first round pick last year and Levante David who is incredibly underrated every year. He's one of the top inside linebackers in the NFL. Again, you've got Shaq Barrett rushing off the outside. We all know what he did last year. Their corners are very tough in Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting. Um, Antoine Winfield jr. Was a target of mine, uh, a rookie this year out of Minnesota, who is playing uh, very well in the early season. We'll just leave it at that. And Jordan Whitehead, who's not bad at the other safety. Uh, They've got Jason Pierre Paul, who could still make some noise at the other outside linebacker spot. They got Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue on the inside. So they're beefed up. You know, if you're, if you're looking for holes in that defense, at least in the starting defense, you're not going to find a lot. That's a very good lineup. That's playing pretty well. Now, is it playing, you know, top five ball? I don't think so. Is it playing top 10 ball? It very well might be. Is it in the top half? Oh, for sure. And the Bears' offense right now doesn't look like it could topple anybody in the top two-thirds. So it's going to be a rough matchup. They're they're going to have to do everything better and catch breaks. And they're not going to be able, I don't think, to go for that full staple of the chuck-it ball. Because right. Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting are tough corners. They play very physically. Not going to put up with that. So you're either going to have to scheme it open or you're probably going to suffer if you try just those deep one-on-one balls and go for personnel versus personnel.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, EJ, because I'll come out and say it if you won't. I don't think I've seen quite such a disparity between playing one of the best defenses in football and one of the worst defenses in football compared to last week's game where in one half with no prep just about, Foles came in and moved the ball very, very well versus today where, oh my word, you would think they didn't even play offense. Uh, it was it's wild. And I'll say it if you or I know you've already hinted at it, but that Tampa Bay defense is a lot closer to Indianapolis than it is Atlanta. So the question becomes, where's the middle? Like, is Atlanta just so bad that all bets are off and any team can do anything against them? Maybe. Certainly we'll see this evening, or I think it's tomorrow evening, as they play Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers shoots for 60 points. But uh, as far as what this Bears offense can do – Where's the threshold? What defense is too good for them to do anything? And at some point, like you've mentioned, wouldn't you hope that your very smart offensive mind head coach can come up with some way to almost trick 14 points onto the board so at least the defense has something to keep grinding for? I just totally get what you mean, that there's a lot of blame to be tossed around today. And sure, you could put it all on execution and give the coach a pass, but there is a point where, and it's a 16-game season, now he's not getting fired like that the reason that we can pile this criticism on is because we know he's got 12 more games to show something but uh yeah i mean you hope for more than what they gave today that's that's to say the least
2: yeah but through the first three games of the year i was pleasantly surprised i know with his variety his creativity uh, his ability to put players in positions to succeed. And that sounds super basic and incredibly simple, but a lot of coaching staffs don't do it or don't do it as much as they could. And today it just seemed like the wheels fell completely off. You said he looked like he gave up earlier. And I don't think that's that far off because many of the things that he has employed in terms of motion, uh, we did. I don't think we saw a single like jet sweep today. I, we saw that and one the Bears...
1: that they kicked off to Darnell Mooney, and the Colts linebackers had it read the entire
2: way. Oh yeah, and that like that's I as... hardly count that because literally they were pointing it out pre snap, and that's, like, that's as close as you they get. Were like nope, nope. Yeah, and so you just didn't see a lot of the sort of shifts, uh, even whether it's just shifting a back up to the line, which they've done pretty pretty successfully this year. It was a very stagnant offense. It was very set and go. And that's what you see teams like the Jets and the Giants and a bunch of other teams that are at the bottom of the standings right now. They are the, the lowest in terms of percentage for pre-snap motion or motion at the snap. And it's not surprising that they're at the bottom of the standings as well. That's the trend that's working right now in the in the NFL to identify concepts pre-snap for the quarterback and put defenders in those crux positions where they have to go, am I going to do this or am I going to do this? I'm almost in between responsibilities because it's not just motion and we get to reset and I get to look at the other guy and go, no, he's yours. Now we're in the middle of that and the ball snapped and it's like, is he yours or is he mine? And that's the whole point of pre-snap or pre-snap motion that continues like at the snap motion at the snap. And we saw none of that today. So the defenders were literally able to sort of set up and go, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's mine. He's okay. We're good. And you can't have that. It doesn't lend itself to creating mismatches. Mm-hmm. Combine that with
1: some nasty special teams play that it took us until the very end of the podcast to even touch on. And this was what they call a burn the tape game. And I think I think you're going to agree with that. The trouble is, of course, that in 2018, we can point to a couple games, the game against the Giants with Chase Daniel, the game against Miami, where they also wore these orange jerseys and it also didn't work out very well. Uh, Like there are some games even back in our fabulous 12 and 4 2018 season where things went sour. But scoring three points in a game reminds me way too much of 2019 and not enough of 2018. So you hope that you burn the tape and that we don't sit like we did in, I don't know about you, but back in uh, a- after the Week 16 game against the Chiefs last year, saying and this is the fifth burn the tape game of the year. I'm getting way too uncomfortable mm. saying this because you're not supposed I to. I don't
2: like the smell of burning tape at You're not at this supposed point, to have yeah. that many of
1: them. At some point, you're no. supposed to almost every NFL game or any NFL team, you give me the number you've seen, but I see every team put up probably two true stinkers per year where they are just not themselves. And There's plenty of different reasons for it. Uh, I know last year in 2019, classic example was when the Bears traveled to London on their usual schedule. The team looked jet lagged, felt jet lagged, played jet lagged and lost and just got mopped up on everything that they would generally do pretty well. That's a standard burn the tape game. Compare that to this where they're at home against a team that isn't so they're defending home turf uh and granted they're amidst covid but they've made the change to their new quarterback and they looked at best weeks behind everybody else like you're talking about it looked like week one in this in a season of no preseason uh and at worst they just looked flat out bad so you hope that you burn the tape and you roll over on thursday and you've got a better game plan or something because this isn't going to beat the Buccaneers
2: yeah maybe they were looking past the colts a little bit i would hope not maybe they were sort of cheating up on tom brady Just coming phoning up it short in week well not phoning it in but thinking about that and and look the nfl has showed us over and over again that those you know over and over again that those burn the tape games show up on those weeks right when you've got your division rival the week after and you're thinking about it or you've got a monday night game coming up Darn and sure. you're thinking about it and you're like oh we've got these you know Bottom of the division dwellers coming in. We don't really have to, huh, and you get your butt kicked because look, there's talent on every team. It's on any given Sunday that saying exists for a reason. Uh, the Bears did not look prepared today, either from a game planning standpoint or for the most part a physical standpoint. The first half of offense was extremely flat there was a lot of foals kind of shaking his head going well that that didn't look like i thought it was supposed to look or that didn't work like i thought it was supposed to work and against the tampa bay team that's good on both sides of the ball they have talent on both sides of the ball and they have a very good coaching staff you're not going to be able to dig yourself a hole like the bears have done and we were talking about this as we watched the game i watched it with a bunch of our colleagues from wcg and you know, we said, so at this point, it's kind of tune in in the fourth quarter and see how deep a hole the bears are in and see if they can score. Like that's the, that's the modus operandi for this 2020 (laughs) season. And they're not going to be able to do that against Tampa Bay. If they give themselves a really decent hole through the first two, two and a half quarters, they're not going to win that game. Mm -hmm. They're not going to come charging back and throw up three touchdowns late against that defense. It's not going to occur. So you better come out. And I would love to see, at least in the scripted drives, which is typically the first two drives for an NFL team, I'd like to see some motion, some positive plays, some chunk plays, some movement of the offense, some energy that made you say, oh, look at that. They're moving the ball against Tampa Bay. They have some positive plays there. We have some hope, like Foles is charged up. That's infectious. You you can say whatever you want about momentum, but today was the opposite of that. And if they do that against Tampa Bay, they're just burning time and they're not making points. And that's going to put them in a hole that is insurmountable. Mm -hmm. It's it was,
1: it was a rough one and it can't happen again. But let's head into final thoughts, if you will, because we, we've had an awesome show so far. And it's about time we button this up and move on, because we not only do we have a quick turnaround, not only do the bears have a quick turnaround, but this is a good week to have one where we don't necessarily want to dwell on it for just about any longer than we have to. So if the, if there was one final thought that I was going to have about this game, it's that you're going to leave this one with a whole lot of hope, that it was just due to, um, to just due to the new quarterback thing and trying to change things up. You could make the argument this is Matt Nagy's first game with a true West Coast quarterback, so he had to settle into it again. Fa- F's all across the board. Not Nobody did a very good job here on offense, but that maybe for Tampa Bay, uh, things could change. The big billing that I had coming into this uh, Colts game, like if I was going to create some kind of a movie poster for this game, it was two pretenders enter the arena and one of them leaves a contender. And unfortunately, the Colts, who hadn't really beaten anybody up to this point, they'd beaten, if you remember, or they lost to the Jaguars, then they beat the Vikings and the Jets. They now beat the Bears, and if that moniker was true, that means the Bears did not leave a contender. So they have an opportunity here against Tampa Bay, like you're talking about. Very important game to establish themselves, to kind of say, hey, it's I know it's our home turf. I know it's on a short week. I know the other team's flying in to face us, but we're here, and we will be here for the rest of the year. A win against Carolina after two straight losses just isn't going to feel the same if they can't at least be competitive in one of these two games, Indianapolis and Tampa Bay. So I don't want to put too much on this. Because I've been down this road with the Bears before. It's rarely positive. But there's a lot of emotional stock in this game against Tampa Bay where it's a good team. It's a very good team. And if they are, if the Bears are bad, they'll get destroyed. But I hope they don't. I hope that they impress us. I hope they iterate more on what we saw for the first three weeks and not whatever this was, and that we can all move on and laugh about, hey, remember when we got blasted by the Colts and Nick Foles' first start? Because that was bad, like, down the road.
2: What do you think? Uh, I think you're right. I'm not so sure that a contender emerged today, because I don't really think the Colts are. The Bears certainly are not at this point, but I wouldn't crown the Colts either, because... You know, two of their last wins against the Jets and a Chicago team that clearly did not play up. Yeah, if Chicago's not very good, then this doesn't help them at all. It just no. So I, I, I'm not sure that a contender emerged today. Colts definitely won the game and deserved to. Uh, But moving into Tampa Bay, you're right. It is a big game. They are going to have to execute. There are some things that look good, but they're going to have to move all those things into the sort of positive column to have any hope. And I, I hate to be an early wet blanket, but the Panthers are starting to emerge as one of those middle teams that's starting to look good. There's that wide middle in the NFL. And like I said, through week three and into week four, you really start to determine who's for real and who's not. And the Panthers for the last two weeks have started to play like a team that's for real. They look good again today, so even, I know it's not a good idea, don't look past the Buccaneers for sure, they're they're a very good team, but... The Panthers are going to be no easy out in Matt Rule's first no, year. He's are really the team sort of aligned. So there's a couple, you know, we thought in the beginning of the year, this might be a little bit of an easier stretch for the Bears. It's turning out as all seasons do. Everything shifts. It's a new game every year, a new team every year. And the lineup for the next couple of weeks is a tough road. And the Bears are going to have to show what they're made of if they want to come out, even splitting between the Bucs and the Panthers. If they split between the Bucs and the Panthers, I'd call it a fairly successful stretch, but the reality is if they play anything like they did today, they'll come out of this on a three-game losing skid, and that's going to be tougher to turn around.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that the Bears going into Los Angeles against the Rams on a three-game losing skid looking at New Orleans the week afterwards is where you want to be if you're thinking playoffs. Fair
2: to say? Oh, very fair to say. I would say that is a a not great scenario. And again, things shift every week. We saw it shift very dramatically this week with the sort of fall rise of COVID and games starting to be displaced and prolonged and whatever else it's, we don't know what's going to happen two or three weeks from now, but if you say everything's the same as it is today, which is not a guarantee that you want to march in and face McVay and Goff who are playing, who took Buffalo to the wire and Buffalo is a very good team this year very good, or New Orleans who is riding Alvin Kamara a hundred percent and he is running at 110% right now. So you know and they have a very good defense that's not what you want to come into saying we really need a win guys right if we haven't been able to leverage one out of the last three games of which people thought at the beginning of the year two were probably quite winnable if you come out of this on an 0-3 skid the outlook for the rest of the year is very very different it changes in a hurry Well, EJ,
1: that's about all the time we have. You have been awesome. It's always great having you on the show. Go ahead and let everybody listening know where they can find you and your work online.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So like Robert said at the top of the podcast, you can definitely find me on Windy City Gridiron, my other podcast, Bears Over Beers, or my side project with Brett Coleman, Bootleg Football, which you can find on all major podcast outlets or on YouTube. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun with that one, and it's growing. Some great fan interaction. Get to talk about the whole NFL on that one, so it's it's great fun. But, yeah, always a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. It's great to do the wrap-up.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, EJ. I will talk to you soon. And, folks, that's going to do it for this one. Tough game, but we will be back with you this next coming Thursday as the Bears take on the Buccaneers, and I'll be right here with you after the game to break it down. If you like what I have to say, feel free to go follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, or on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion, where, where every Wednesday night, and who knows, maybe we'll bump it up because of Thursday's game, I'll be going through the latest Bears game on film live ready to answer questions if you like what ej has to say make sure you go check out his work online he and brett coleman are fabulous but until next time bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me